Hi, welcome to the Kayla Ambrose Show. I'm back to talk more about metaphysical topics. Find out more about me on my website, exploreyourspirit.com, the books I write, podcasts, courses you can take online with me and study, and my work as an esoteric wisdom teacher of the Mystery Schools, which is my deepest love. But also there are courses you might enjoy, how to read auras, psychic ability, uh, gosh, dreams, all kinds of stuff. So go check it out if you'd like. Sign up for my free newsletter where you always find out more. On today with today's episode, and gosh, I want to talk about all the changes that are happening in the world. It started after 2012. People wanted to know what 2012 would bring if it was the end of the world. Well, the thing is, nothing's that clear, crisp, finite, black and white. So it wasn't the end of the world, but it was the end of the world as we know it. And we are in this cycle now of what many people would call chaos, very chaotic time. And that's because everything is shifting and evolving. And whenever you make a big change, you make a big mess before the new stuff can come in. You also have to cycle out the old stuff and get rid of stuff. And people by nature often resist change. They don't like it. They cling to the old. And so that makes everything more challenging, more difficult. Part of what is changing um, and that's going to be interesting to share with some people. So I think I mentioned I'm an esoteric wisdom teacher from the old mystery schools of Egypt and Greece and even older than that. And they talked about the times to come when we go into different ages. We're now in the age of Aquarius. We've left the age of Pisces. So everything gets redone and rebooted. And I've been told that a lot of things are changing including some things that we would call magical that has to do with sacred symbols that has to do with how magic works, how energy moves and flows. So some of the sacred symbols and signs and practices that you knew before magical things and symbols, their energy is going to change as well. And they won't quite emit the same energy or mean the same thing. There are going to be new ones that take their place. Some of the rituals you've done won't work quite the same. They're going to change and become something different. And so this is why I'm pausing because I'm like, so many different places I could take this and talk about this. But I want to start, of all things, I want to start with meditation. Because meditation is key to evolving. If you want to get to know your higher self, if you want to grow, if you want to awaken If you want to move energy within your body, you have to meditate. You have to do it to evolve. And part of it is because you have to give up control and empty the mind. So even a guided meditation is a good place to start if you need help. But it's a start, not an ending. Because at the end, it's to still the mind. It's to quiet the mind. And... It's a question you ask yourself, are you in control, your higher self, your higher consciousness, or is your mind in control? And your mind is not your higher self. 
Your mind is not your your consciousness. When people started talking about metaphysical things not too long ago, and I say that like 40 years ago or so, they would talk about body, mind, spirit. And then it sort of shifted, and a lot of people kept then referring to it as mind, body, spirit. And that was interesting because that shift there from body, mind, spirit to mind, body, spirit showed that the mind was really getting a deeper grasp on things, looking to understand things, not just from a spiritual perspective, but from a scientific perspective. Why um, does this occur? We're studying metaphysics, but what are the physics behind it? How does energy move? How does energy work? with healing or visualizing what is the formula is there a formula for the affirmations we do or visualizations or creating a vision board all these things what give me some concrete logical explanation the science behind it and so we shifted into that mind body spirit there have been more studies and more research done on all of these things Let's bring in equipment to measure uh, what exactly happens during this experience. Let's measure when people are meditating. Let's put equipment on people and notice the difference when we ask them to focus on a certain chakra and to try to bring balance or healing into that chakra. And researchers have done this and measured uh, a noticeable difference in energy. With uh, They have things kind of like those little... Uh, like when you have an EKG and they put the sticky things on you, they can feel some differences in the body. They can see the difference. There's been a lot of research, even at universities and practices with that, of how can we determine psychic ability, double blind studies, things like that with the aura. We're now shifting into part three. And that's where we're going to go. The beginning was body, mind, spirit. Then there was mind, body, spirit. And now we're going to do spirit, mind, body. And so the spiritual is going to take precedence. Where we're moving into the age of the divine feminine. We're moving over to that part of the brain. To that side. Where we lead first with how we're feeling. We're more in touch with our emotions. We know that everything can't be understood or explained with the logical mind. Uh, I think Einstein has a famous quote about that, that, oh gosh, I wish I could remember the quote, but it's something about that we think that mind is everything, but it, the intuition is more powerful. And so we should start with the mind with the thought, but lead with the intuition. That is totally not how the quote sounds at all. Someone out there I know is going to listen and find it and post it. But if you, if you do a Google search for Einstein and a quote about intuition, you'll read it. And he's praising intuition, saying that that's where we go. Now, most brilliant minds like Einstein and researchers and visionaries and highly successful people will, call, will tell you that this is true, that they rely on their intuition. They might call it their gut feeling or a hunch or just a reason and knowing but it had nothing to do with anything logical. And often it defied logic. And often they had to argue with the people that were 
paying them or the board that was overseeing them um, at institutions and corporations, they had to be the visionary and push against all of that to actually get their ideas seen because they're being a visionary. They're seeing the future. They're seeing what isn't created yet, what hasn't been brought into being. So they're using their intuitive side. When we meditate and when we truly meditate, uh, where we sit in the silence, or you can make a sound like the om, om, om. When you do the om, okay, that's a vibration in my, my voice today. <laughs> Not the best for the om, but that's a vibration that goes through the body. And it awakens the chakras and it moves our attention into that ohm energy and that frequency. And so what it does then is it begins to balance the chakras. And those of you who understand that about the Ida and the Pingala uh, at the base of your spine there, as you do the work to clear your chakras and raise the energy, and the Ida and Pagala naturally at that point begin to move and they intersect at each chakra. They're often drawn like two serpents that are moving up and they crisscross each other there at every chakra. So you'll see that if you've looked at the chakras and you see the two serpents going in and out. If you look at a medical symbol, you'll see that uh, the symbol that's often used there, the caduceus that has um, the pole in the middle and the two snakes going up and their heads are facing each other at the top by the circle. That's an ancient symbol of, of medicine. And it's also to represent the spine and the energy going up both ways. Those symbols also look like what we call now a DNA helix. Same up, rising up, crisscrossing together. Now, if you take that a step further, if you want the deeper esoteric meaning, if you stretch that out, well, let's, well, let's um, continue on this path. They snake upwards to each chakra until they come to the third eye. And then they lock into place over uh, on each side of the third eye, kind of where the middle of your eyebrow is. If you raise your finger up, you feel the kind of the bone there, the bump, and... You go to the middle of the eyebrow up there by the bone. They lock in a place there and they're facing each other. And as they face, face each other, their alchemical reaction then opens up the third eye. And the pineal gl gland is activated and secretes fluid and that opens the third eye. And the two, the eye and the Bengala, the serpents, they're representing the Divine Masculine, Divine Feminine. They've balanced and opened all those chakras. And now they've opened the third eye. And if you continue on your evolution and your journey, and you're doing this, then from the third eye, they rise up above that. And they join together, kind of like um, the two snakes, let's say, intersecting again above that. And they open the crown chakra. Now, as they open the crown chakra, they intersect above the head and the heads go out each direction where it forms kind of like a cradle or could look like horns, would look like uh, 
curved horns on the top of your head and would be each of the body bending with the snake head and it would be open. So almost like a crescent moon, you know, with part of it open there and those horns on your head, which is what cradles then the crown chakra. So the crown chakra is above your head there, cradled in between the Ida and Pagala, opening that there and holding space for it, for your crown chakra. And then if you kept going from there, where that open space is, where the two heads are facing each other again, a little closer, uh, and look like the horns there, that opens up then uh, to the next space where the soul star chakra would be floating above the crown. And we continue onward and outward in that way. When you open that crown chakra and they connect again, they meet each other and then they join together. And as they do, it makes a circle above your head. And that circle seen from one direction looks like a circle. Seen from the side looks like the figure eight. And because the two are connected and they're intertwined. So you have this figure eight above the head. Now, those of you that study Tarot, you may recognize the figure eight above the head of the magician card in the major arcana. And so there is that figure eight above his head, which means infinity going on forever. So as you've opened your crown chakra and you've come to that depth and level of self-realization and introspection and self-observation and done the magical and the alchemical work to, to open that energy, you've created infinity there, which is everlasting life and awareness and knowledge of what's beyond. And as you're still here on earth with that, once you've connected that energy, it runs from the left side and will run all the way up to the crown chakra. So creating in a sense what the Egyptians drew as the Ankh, which looks like a cross, but the rounded part at the top looks like more of a head and it's actually tracing where that energy is there and how when the Adam Pagala connect and make that loop at the top, that's the arc. And that's the curved part uh, where the two have combined forces. So fully balanced you are with the masculine and the feminine. You are complete, which is really everyone's journey that it's not, I, well, I won't say it's not. In the beginning, when we're evolving, we look outside ourselves to find someone else to teach us and to help bring out aspects of ourselves and help us grow. And so we're attracted to another person to do that. For a lot of people, that's, um, they'll look for someone in a, a body that's male that's attracted to their female body or vice versa. But it doesn't matter whether it's heterosexual, homosexual, or any of those uh, gender definitions because it's the energy of the person. Meaning, so let's say you had two men that were attracted to each other. One of them will potentially be more masculine in energy and their soul, um, maybe in some of their mannerisms. 
where the other one potentially may have more of their divine feminine qualities, be more uh, softer, intuitive, uh, reception, you know, receiving, where masculine is, you know, the sun and action and, and taking um, action on things. And the feminine side's more receptive, receiving, that type of thing. So it doesn't matter whether it's male, female combination, like that can be any type of relationship. The point is we're looking outside of ourselves. We're looking for another person who most typically we partner with to show some of those other parts of ourselves that we don't have within us. So uh, just like a, a type A might be with a type B or just all those different combinations. I think you know what I mean. So we're drawn to that other aspect to help us learn about that for ourselves. As we evolve, we stop looking outward for another person to be that for us or provide that for us or fulfill us in that way. We stop saying like Jerry Maguire, you complete me. We're no longer looking for another person to complete us. We are doing the inner work because the end goal is for every person to have balanced within themselves their divine masculine and their divine feminine. And this is why we're seeing so much changing in that with how people identify themselves, um, gender fluid, the fluidity and things. People are just starting to understand at that consciousness level that they're evolving in that way and that their soul is trying to try all these different parts to see which which things they still need to pick up and learn and in, and bring into themselves to balance that out. Do you need more masculine energy? Do you need more feminine energy? And so it may ebb and flow within a lifetime of what you need. And again, some people will look externally and try to find that in their partner, which could change over time. But the end goal is that you do the inner work yourself and you balance your, your masculine and your feminine side within. And that's done through the item Pangala as well as it's working its way up through each chakra, which if you study the chakras, you know it's all about uh, bringing balance to all those situations, whether it's the force of will and willpower and ego in the third chakra or fight or flight and staying grounded in the first chakra, uh, how you open your heart chakra, what really is love, what is love at the higher level, love for all, unconditional love, self-love, way beyond just falling in love with someone. And I could, well, I could just, I could dive off here into a lot about the chakras, but that's what you're working on as you raise the item Pangala, you're balancing into those chakras. When you can finally do that, and it's meant to be done naturally, you never want to force it. Yogis will tell you this as well. Don't ever try to force your chakras to balance or your item Pangala. You have to do the inner work. This is the stuff I teach in the mystery schools. There are other people that teach this. Learn that. Don't try to force it. It actually can short circuit your system. It can make you go crazy. It's not meant to be forced. If you're not balanced and you haven't healed these things with inside yourself and you try to rush it or cheat or say, I'm going to make these things raise up so I can get more psychic, it actually is going to blow the receptors and you end up with terrible side effects that um, 
too horrible to mention, but will make you go crazy. Let's just call it that. So this is inner work you do. You have to take the journey. You have to be on the path. You need to do the right thing step by step as you learn, as you let go, as you release, as you grow. You have to heal all your stuff, not be in the lower chakras anymore, transcend the ego, open up the heart chakra to love unconditionally. There's a process and this was built as a safety measure step by step. So by the time you're ready to open the higher chakras, you've done the work and you're a clear channel. You're in a great space. So study with someone to learn this like me or anyone who teaches this so that you, that you learn to open up in a good way. As you do that and you get to the third eye and then the crown chakra, then the Ida and Pangala have both raised to that, to the heights of the divine masculine and divine feminine. And then as they intersect in the crown and become united, you are what's called a self-realized being. You are a being of light. You transcended ego. You, your aura is glowing because your chakras are all uh, balanced and attuned. And you've entered that place where you are at one and connected with the other side and your higher self. And your aura begins to glow with kind of a gold energy with that. And the circle above your head can be seen by some people that can see auras and energy. And this is why old paintings used to show saints and people that were considered spiritual masters to have a halo above their head, to have that ring above their head. That's what they're identifying is that it's opened the consciousness and the crown chakra and it's created that halo effect above the head that can be seen in the aura. And it's also that figure eight infinity symbol. So now as it goes through the logical side and bringing all the masculine energy, it then easily moves over into the other side, into the intuition and the knowing and the magic and bringing all that and all of the emotions into balance as well. And understanding that there is no ruler or one is better, that both are meant to be used for different things. And sometimes you need to be in, in one part of your mind to do tasks here on earth. And the other times you need to be in a different part where you can't get the answers here. And you need to go into that visionary place where you can get um, the answers that you're seeking and the information that you're looking for. And so we cross back and over. Okay, so that's a long esoteric teaching there about how the item Bacala moves how it creates that symbol above, how it opens at the third eye and creates those horns above the crown chakra, which now if you go look at ancient Egyptian things, you're going to be like, oh, I see that on Hathor. What are we talking about here with Hathor and Isis and um, seeing what looks like horns above their head? And what is this really referring to? You're going to start to see what all those signs mean. You're going to start to look at alchemical signs and see some of the differences there and kind of the the sun over the moon. And when you see those pictures like of the sun and the moon is in front of it, like a crescent moon and the sun's behind it and the stars are all around shining. You see the glow of light 
that's indicating that balance. The sun and the moon are united. That is the masculine and the feminine within you in balance, united. The sun is action and the masculine and the moon is receptive and intuition. And so uh, it's the feminine and the two are working in harmony together perfectly. And with the figure eight infinity sign, it means that that is now a realization that's going to stay and can always be brought up. And the Iden Pagala and all that don't stay in your crown chakra. Uh, they work their way back down. And you move through different chakras with every thought and word and action and deed that you do throughout the day. It goes up and down. But once you would achieve that level, that pinnacle, you can raise them back up there again. So how do you even get to that process where you can begin to balance your chakras, where you can begin to understand where you're at and what's going on in your energy body and how do you cleanse and clear and how do you get more intuitive and how do you become more aware of where you are with your masculine side and your feminine side? Well, it goes back to meditation. Meditation allows you to be in the stillness and to see within, to go within and to be in that place where all is revealed. And once you've done meditation well enough where you become comfortable with it, you can also scan your body and see how things feel. The more you spend that private time and that alone time with yourself, getting to know yourself. For in meditation, your mind is quieted because your mind is not you. And when you quiet the mind, you finally allow spirit to come through. And in spirit, what I'm talking about with this is actually your higher self, the bigger part of your soul that stays on the other side and is there with all of the wisdom, all of your lifetimes, everything you've learned, everything that you know, which is lifetimes and lifetimes of wisdom. And that can actually begin to communicate with you and you can tap into it and be able to draw upon this fount of wisdom and energy. But first you have to quiet the mind and we, we've mistakenly thinking that the mind is, is uh, the higher consciousness and it's not. So it's processing things from there. You'll use it later in a process and decide what you're going to do about it and what would be maybe the best action to take with something. But that's, it's more of a processor. It's not, it's not the end. It's the middleman. So this is the time where you go into spirit and that has to be done alone with meditation where you then connect with your higher self and get that energy. Now I really recommend the OM meditation because it is at the right sound frequency, that it breaks up any blockages. It puts ripples and vibration through the body. And so I'd really recommend, you know, um, I'm sure there's lots of recordings of it you can purchase as an MP3 to listen or go on YouTube, find someone who's, you know, just leading a simple own meditation like that. Work with someone who does it. It's a great way to first settle 
yourself into meditation by doing the OM. And then after you do that, uh, then to sit in the silence yourself and to let it go. And if, if, if you're like, oh, I don't do meditation, it's hard, I don't know what to do, just start for a minute a day, one minute. For one minute, just try to quiet your mind and be still. And then after you can get it for a minute where you don't think about things and you've quieted your mind for a minute, then up the time a little bit at a time and just give yourself that minute each day and try to get up to 10 minutes. Let that be your goal. If you're meditating for 10 minutes, that's actually a good amount of stillness. And if you can start doing that on a regular basis where you can do it for 10 minutes, your body is going to find its balance. Just like water seeks a place to level out, you will level out as well. And then you'll find, you know, 15 minutes is what I need for meditation or 30 minutes or however much time. For some people, it'll be longer. For some people, it's shorter. And that may change over time too, which, you know, one day might be different than another. And that's the beauty of it. But for now, just to start with one minute. So if you're interested in becoming a wisdom student uh, of the esoteric teachings, the ancient mysteries from the mystery schools of that time, you're wanting to change your life from the inside out. You want to get to know yourself better, your higher self. You want to be more psychic and intuitive. You want to communicate with the other side for your highest and best. And for those beings on the other side that are from the highest and best and not a lower vibration. And all of those things, there are two things that you have to begin with. One is psychic protection to protect yourself always uh, in what you're doing. And the second is meditation, which is the guide to go to the other side. So for me, Kayla Ambrose, your travel guide to the other side, I hope this gives you some other thoughts about meditation. And I hope you enjoyed the mini esoteric teaching today.